I want to start with what should be a very simple question for you, which is what makes a great men's magazine? Wow, that's not a simple question. <laughs> what makes a great men's magazine? Uh, tone. Tone is what makes all magazines great. I mean, contributors make magazines great. Uh, you know, stories make magazines great. Designers make magazines great. But really, it's about um, having an attitude uh, because there are a lot of magazines um, and they tend to be quite similar. Uh, not just men's magazines, all magazines. Uh, they follow formulas, uh, they have templates. Um, and the way to break through, I think, or to break out of that um, is to have a voice. Um, and the voice doesn't have to come from just one person. Um, and it doesn't, and you can have lots of voices, but there needs to be um, a kind of, there, there needs to be an attitude, um, mm. a kind of, whether that's a sense of humour or it could be that, that the attitude is really serious, um, or it could be that the attitude is very silly. Um, but um, without that, it tend, you know, magazines are bland, mm. like anything else really, like, like a person, you know. And is that what you think that you brought to Esquire? Because so, you talked before about a kind of a, a sense of silliness with Esquire that you find that's quite integral to it. Is that what makes Esquire successful? I think irreverence is what, I don't know if I brought, brought that, um, but, but I think that Esquire, you know, is historically, um, it's an old magazine. Uh, it's been around for a long time. Uh, it's been around for 80 years in, in America um, and kind of 20, 25 years in, in, in Britain. And it's, it, is, it should always be irreverent. irreverent. And irreverent means literally not having reverence. Um, so um, it doesn't have to take everything uh, completely seriously. It doesn't take things at, at face value. It's sceptical. Uh, it's questioning. Um, and, yeah, it takes the piss. Um, mm. And I think that's a fundamental difference between Esquire and a lot of other magazines, not, not all, but a lot of other magazines, which are um, extremely reverent and, to me, boring. Did you always want to work in magazines? I always loved magazines. I really did love magazines from childhood. I had some sort of geeky aspects to me as a child, and one of them was I, I collected magazines, even when I was kind of 10. You know, I didn't give them away. I really loved pop music and football when I was a kid. I still love pop music and football. Um, but, um, and I guess um, style is a big part of both of those things. It certainly was in, 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 the, in England in the 80s when, when I was a kid, um, 70s and 80s. And so I read um, Smash Hits every, I think it was Wednesday, every two weeks, and, and, and Match Weekly and Shoot were the football ones. And I kept them all. Um, and I would almost sort of catalogue what was on the covers and who was, who was, who was in and who was out and which, which band was the kind of band of the moment. And so um, I think that, you know, Obviously, it's, it's retrospective. So I look back now and go, oh, yeah, there was a kind of um, obvious link. You know, it, it's mm. kind of, you could have looked at that little kid and said, oh, maybe he will grow up to do magazines. But I would have wanted, I would have much rather been a pop star or a footballer than the person <laughs> who was writing about the pop star or the football. I think that's what happened. A lot of journalists are people who, uh, you know, I, I guess a lot of fashion journalists are, f are kind of failed or frustrated fashion designers. Um, <laughs> and a lot of kind of culture journalists like me are kind of failed uh, I don't know, filmmakers or novelists or, you know, I would have wanted to be probably someone awful, probably Simon Le Bon or something I probably wanted to be when I was 10. <laughs> uh, and mind you, that's not such a bad thing. I'd quite like to be Simon Le Bon now. I um, quite like that idea, you know, those who can do, those that can't teach. I guess it's those that can do, those that can't. Yeah, that, that's, there's definitely an element of that. Um, we're all kind of frustrated show-offs, or a lot of us are, people who end up being kind of editing glossy magazines, I think. It's funny how you talk about it, though, because it seems to me like what you were... Uh, sort of um, attracted to was the aesthetics rather than the writing. It wasn't the journalism. Uh, no, I think it was both. Both of those magazines, actually, Smash Hits was extremely funny and mm. irreverent and silly. It was about both celebrating and lampooning 
the pretensions of the, the stars of the day of Boy George or Wham or whatever these people were. were you know, there was, I I had a kind of I guess I was born in '73. I was ten when when that kind of that kind of '80s pop was at its height, um, which was a great age to be because I was just completely and utterly blown away by the whole thing. I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and um, Smash Hits was very very funny. You know, the the question they 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 wouldn't ask uh, such clever questions as you do. It would have been you would have just asked me what colour Tuesday is and uh, what's the silliest thing I've ever put in my mouth. Feel free to ask me those what things later. What is the silliest later. thing you've ever put in God, your mouth? God, that's a, now now I've done it, haven't I? <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you what colour Tuesday is though. What colour is Tuesday? Blue. Why? Oh, it's just blue. It's just blue. Yeah, kind of quite deep blue. So yeah, I think they were I think they were funny, um, and the football ones were too. It wasn't just you know. Uh, Grimsby won Hull nil. It was kind of look at this bloke's beard. Doesn't he look ridiculous? You know, <laughs> and and there's a kind of and I think that very. I feel like I'm hugely still influenced by that. You know, I'd much rather run a piece on uh, footballers' beards than a piece or you know a kind of worthy piece about um, I don't know who's going to win the Champions League. You know, we leave that to the newspapers and the websites and the kind of chin stroking football fans. We're much more interested in taking a kind of sideways look at these things and being kind of amusing about it. I think mm. that, you know, that's the thing. I, I loved, as a kid, those magazines for what they were, the actual magazine itself, not, not, just, the, um, not just what they were covering. You know, men's ma- I mean, I'm not slagging off all women's magazines, but uh, I can't remember the last time I was kind of had a big belly laugh while flicking through one of the mainstream women's magazines. But I think men's magazines have a duty to be funny. You write for women's magazines as well. Do you write in a very different tone when you do that? No, I try not to, and I try to be funny. But um, I, you do find, not, not always, but um, that it's less welcome. You see, you see a lot written, especially in London, because of London Collections Men, about how, you know, like, fashion's becoming so much more sort of integral to men's lives. Everyone's much more excited by it. And... I'm intrigued. Do you not? I think there is a taboo with men about being interested in fashion. I think mm-hmm. they're a bit nervous about it. But mm-hmm. do you think that is changing? Or are we making too much of that? Us in the fashion crowd, uh, men love style now. Fashion is a more loaded term in men's in men's style. culture, right? Um, because it suggests a uh, wrongly, in my opinion, but nevertheless, it does. It can does and can suggest a kind of uh, uh, sort of fashion as a slightly. Um, disposable or, or sort of silly uh, interest, whereas style is something more mainly style, I like style. Um, so, um, but, but British youth culture, for a long time, certainly before any of us were born, um, British men were able to say they were interested in style. When I was growing up, there was no, it wasn't like, uh, 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 you know, you felt sort of unable to say you're interested in style. In fact, um, it was, you know, it was, it was cool. It was cool to be interested in style. We were interested in style. We were interested in what we wore. That's how we ended up doing, I ended up doing this, but in, in a sense, but also lots of men were interested in style. It wasn't like seen as fey or weird or something. Um, to be really fashionable, interested in fashion, yes, that, that marked you out as, uh, as different um, in a good way. Now, of course, as we know, fashion is, is, is a much more mainstream idea and it's, you don't have to be some kind of, you know, out cool, arty, avant-garde outsider living in a squat to be into fashion. Um, everyone considers themselves interested in fashion. Now it's a kind of mainstream, but, but uh, it existed and it was, and, it, and I didn't feel weird about liking it. My mates liked it too. We wanted to have the right gear. Um, and we spent a lot of our money on clothes. What I mean, did you used to dress like? I dressed in all sorts of different ways, I guess, because of the different moments. Um, so there was definitely like a kind of, 
I guess in the 80s, I dressed like, the, like it, it was the 1980s, you know. I, I think the first kind of youth pop music I got, in, I got into where you could actually wear the style was, was hip-hop. It was kind of early hip-hop. You laugh, Lou. You laugh, but I had some pretty good styles going on uh, back in 1983. I had a piece of cardboard outside uh, Wimbledon tube station. Used to give it some of that. A bit, a bit of body popping. Oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I was, t- I was urban. I was heavily urban. Um, and, um, and so, and then, you know, and then um, dance music culture happened. So that's what I was into. That was the kind of, that was the moment that I, uh, I was kind of, you know, 17 or 16 or something when Acid House and all that happened, um, which was kind of slightly anti-fashion movement, but it's lo- later developed. And I, I mean, I wore all sorts of stupid things like everyone does when they're 17. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go into those. Some of them I put in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so, you know, I think that there, there certainly wasn't any, um, what's the, I'm looking for the word, there wasn't anything, uh, there was no shame attached to, to being a man, heterosexual man who really loved style and clo- mm. really loved clothes and spent loads, all, all his money on clothes. You know, I, we didn't have much else to spend our money on, but, but that's what we spent our money on. Mm. When, you know, we went, we went shopping. I'm going to ask you about a comment which you're probably sick of being asked about. You said quite controversially and quite, um, well, in a very well-publicised um, statement that the women in your magazine are ornamental. Do you regret saying that? No. Well, yes. I mean, yes and no. Um, uh, I, put, I probably didn't put it as well as I could, um, or should, and I chose an interesting uh, forum <laughs> for, for that, kind of, that kind of comment. But I was asked a question and I answered it. Honestly, um, what I meant was... And I, and I did try and kind of claw this back slightly, but it, it got lost in the melee. Um, people who appear on the cover of magazines, women, men, or if you put a car on the cover of a magazine, and this is where it got dodgy and I got in trouble, was because it looked like, oh, he thinks women are like cars. I don't think women are like cars. But I do think that um, the women who appear on the covers of any magazine, men, male, female, news magazine, are ornamental in the sense that they are there to be looked at. They are there because they look a certain way. Um, and the same is true of, you know, when Daniel Craig appears on the cover of our magazine, which he has done a couple of times, he is ornamental in the sense that we are interested in putting Daniel Craig on the cover of the magazine because of the way he looks, because of the image of Daniel Craig. Um, if Daniel Craig l- didn't look like that, he'd be, you know, he would be less likely to be in the position he is. He wouldn't be James Bond if he wasn't handsome and rugged and, and, and tough and manly and all those things. Um, and we put him on the cover because he's James Bond. Mm. James Bond is an ornamental figure. We don't put naked women in the magazine, but we do celebrate female beauty. And I, don't, and I feel absolutely no guilt or shame about celebrating female beauty and they are in there because they're good looking I mean they are famous because they're good looking I mean it's part of the reason not the only reason and as I tried to say in that thing you know I actually think that we you know I interview a lot of the people myself I interview I do celebrity interviews and I interview lots of women um, famous glamorous women and I think that I actually not just me the writers for Esquire and me give more, we, we, we take them more seriously often than anyone else does. Mm. Um, and I include newspapers, uh, 
women's magazines, TV chat shows, wherever, whatever, for, or red carpet things, wherever you see those women interviewed, or, um, you know, I don't just ask them about their clothes, I don't ask them about their diets, I don't ask them about their work-life balance, or, um, you know, endless questions about how they juggle motherhood, and we ask them about their work, we ask them about their films, we ask them uh, about their thoughts, about their lives. Um, I, I think we tend to take them much more seriously in a way. It's not just about how thin or otherwise they are or who did their hair. Um, so I slightly resent that, that kind of that accusation that we're the ones who kind of trivialise femininity in some way because I, I genuinely don't think we do. Mm. But we do absolutely, just as women's magazines, just as Hollywood, just as um, pop music moguls do, we... we, we um, we look at them as as, as, as beautiful creatures, um, mm. which is what they are, which is why they're famous and why they're glamorous and why they're on the cover of the magazine. Not really fair to sort of accuse Esquire of being some sort of, um, I don't know. You know, the, the, the thing that we got kind of landed with and, uh, is the lads mag uh, yeah. uh, thing. And I think we're not really a lads mag. Um, but do you think you encourage lad culture? No, not at all. I think we're opposed to lad culture. I mean, lad culture is very old-fashioned anyway and, and, and sort of something that happened in the 90s. And personally, I wasn't part of it or a fan of it, um, which doesn't mean that I'm in some sort of denying uh, my sort of heterosexuality because I do love and celebrate a lot of the things that lad culture stood for, which was, you know, loving sport and girls and cars and all that. I do love all that stuff, but I also love much more um, esoteric things um, and I think it's you know one of the things that sort of got denied what happened was you had this schism or this split this, these polarities of like you're either a lad in which case you're a kind of football thicko uh, who only eats kebabs and, and, and only listens to you know mindless oasis or you're um, some sort of a feet style weirdo who uh, you know who, who I don't know who lives in a basement and wears you know strange creations and only listens to opera I don't know and 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 never the twain shall meet when that left a lot of us men in the middle going hang on a minute I really like football and sometimes I do eat kebabs but I also read clever books and um, watch films with subtitles and I don't know you know all this all the good stuff right and I love clothes and I love girls and it's totally possible to love um, you know, to go to the shows as I do and, and really appreciate fashion and at the same time to really fancy Kate Moss or whatever. Um, and, and that's what Esquire does. It reflects that, which is, which is the kind of great breadth of things that men are interested in and that men like. Do you think about trying to sort of um, educate or change your reader's perception though? Because I think there is definitely a problem in the way that women are perceived by men occasionally, and some of those men probably do read Esquire. Do you ever, does that ever... Do you think that that, that problem is, is, is created by men's magazines? Not necessarily, but I think, I wonder if you think about it when creating a men's magazine. You know, I guess I'd never thought about it before. And then I think I maybe did think about it a bit more after um, having been personally accused of, of... Yeah, <laughs> ornament gate, exactly. Having been personally accused of kind of propagating this... Uh, this this uh, this situation, and I, you know, I do not want to be the man who's responsible for, uh, and I don't feel I am, but I would not want to be the man who's responsible for, um, I don't know, somehow denigrating women. Um, 
And I did think about it. I thought, do we denigrate women at Esquire? Do we denigrate women? Right. I don't think we denigrate women. I really don't. Do I think that the cult there's a problem in the culture as a whole? Of course there is. Anyone can see that. Yes. People often say that sort of the internet has killed journalism in some way. There's a lot of noise. Do you ever feel that? Yeah, I feel that all the time. I think anyone of my who's been around, I mean, I'm not old or anything, but I, I've been around for a little while, um, does feel that to an extent. And there is an enormous amount of stupidity, but then there's always been an enormous amount of stupidity. And, you know, the media, there were stupid newspapers for years, and there, there always will be, I hope. And and, uh, and now there are stupid websites with stupid people saying stupid things. But, you know, you can tune that out, hopefully, and you, and you find the ones you like and you... And you uh, you go with those. There's something really unattractive about people who've been around for a little while slagging off everything and saying that, oh, it was all better back in my day in the golden age of this, that and the other. It wasn't a golden age. It wasn't all better. Things are amazing now. Um, I'm constantly stimulated and, and excited by stuff I see online um, and or horrified and dismayed as well. And, and that's good. Do you feel like you've made it? Do you feel like you're content now? <laughs> No, because it's interesting, you talk with ambition as a journalist, and I think when you've got your own project, you've got your own title, What's up? what else is there no, to strive for? No, absolutely not. No, of course not. I don't, I don't know what that means, uh, um, but, but no, I don't feel like I've made it, no. To most people, it doesn't mean anything, being the editor of, of Risk. I mean, most people in, in the world, and neither should it. It doesn't, doesn't, it's a job. It's a good, really good, fun, amazing, uh, lucky-as-hell job to have, but it's a job. I'm not Graydon Carter. I don't think anyone would mistake me for him. I don't think anyone thinks I am. But there's, there's sometimes like this notion, you know, oh, you, uh, I don't know what that would be like to be that. I don't know if that would be made if I, if I was him or, 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 or uh, I don't know, any, any of those people, you know, David Remnick at the New Yorker. That, that to me is like another level. And, and, and uh, so, no, I don't for a second think I've made it. I mean, there's a million things that I would have liked to do that I haven't done. Um, like what? Uh, like uh, I don't know, write a film, write a book, write a, a do a play. Uh, um, I don't know. I, um, travel to places, you know, personal things as well that that uh, that you sac- that, uh, that are sacrificed as you carry on be- being a kind of uh, you know hamster on a wheel or whatever. Not that you know. I, I my job is really a fantastic job. Um, and there are, and it has really gla- glamorous, funny elements to it that that make for great anecdotes. Um, but you can't. Uh, but it, but but my life is just a normal life. I mean, I live in a little house in West London, and I have um, kids, and I, you know, I I, I don't live some sort of um, made it life. To me, made it is some kind of fantasy life. You know, James Bondish. I, I don't. That's not my life.